Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the Department's spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, we have an interesting podcast today. It, it's going to touch a little bit on the strategic plan, or a lot on the strategic plan. And we have one of, a big timer here, we have one of three employees in the whole department who has been tasked with or selected to help train the whole department in trauma and being trauma-informed and uh, moving towards a trauma-informed department. Because, Chris, you, you realize, right, that that's part of the, of the strategic plan is to become a trauma-informed department. That's right. Yeah, we were part of the group that, that um, made this one of the objectives, and that's actually for people that are following along, because I know when people listen to the podcast, they pull out their strategic plan, and, they, so. and they, they definitely sit there and follow <laughs> along. So it's on page six. It's objective 2.2, become a trauma-informed department with a target date of June 30th, 2020. So and did, not your, too, did your homework, my friend. Not too far along. I'm also reading it verbatim. I just yeah. show up and start talking, and you actually yeah. do your homework. That's nice. Well, you know, and I guess to accomplish that goal, I guess we have to understand what trauma is, right? I mean, trauma people probably think they understand what trauma is, but do they really? And do they understand how much trauma a lot of the offenders, you know, that we deal with every day or supervise in the community or in a prison, um, how much trauma they've had in their life and how much and and how that impacts what led them to prison, what what can lead them to be successful long-term. So I think this is a very, very important topic for for us moving forward. And I'm excited to have on our guest today, who is Adrian Foster. And uh, Adrian, you are a psychologist at the Muskegon Correctional Facility. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much for coming on Field Days and talking about this. I'm excited to have you on to inform the department and kind of educate everyone on um, the impacts of this because it's because it's very important. So first off, how long have you been working for the department? I've been with the state for eight years, but with the MDOC for five at MCF as a psychologist. Okay. And how did you get involved in this area of um, psychology, I guess? I've always been very interested in like the criminal side and criminal thinking. When I was a kid, I wanted to be like an FBI profiler. So that's kind of the track that I fell into. Out of school. <laughs> Is that what you wanted to be too, Chris, when you, from a journalist to FBI profiler? <laughs> so Adrian, let's, let's talk about, I think we've all heard of ACE. So what, what, are, um, what are ACEs? So ACEs is an acronym for Adverse Childhood Experiences, which are potentially traumatic events that occur during childhood. So for example, an ACE could be someone who experiences abuse or neglect, having divorced parents, living with someone who abuses drugs or alcohol or has a mental illness, or having a family member in prison. A study was developed to learn how ACEs affect us as adults, and what they discovered was that people who experience ACEs are at a higher risk for various problems as adults. They've linked ACEs to chronic health problems, mental illness, substance abuse, incarceration. Greg didn't actually know what ACEs was. He said a lot of people probably do know what ACEs is. Before we walked in today, I'm pretty sure he thought ACEs was the name of Iron Eagle 3. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I want to get in the, broker. A the 1992 <laughs> uh, movie with Lou Gassett Jr., but it's not that. It's, it's, it's not. This is, this is actually very, very important. Adverse childhood experiences. Yeah, I, I guess I would assume that a lot of the people that we have inside our prisons and on supervision have had an adverse childhood experience? I think that would be a fair assumption, definitely. Are there any stats on that? Do we know numbers? Um, Not within our department. I think they're 
kind of working towards collecting that data. Okay. So when we think about ACEs or what ACEs are, one might assume that they don't happen very often. However, what they found was that ACEs are common among many different cultures, socioeconomic statuses, and geographic locations. So in Michigan alone, nearly 70% of Michigan residents surveyed reported that they had one or more ACE. Only 30% of Michigan residents reported no ACEs. So let me ask you this, knowing this, how, how do we how do we work on this? How do we how do we help people past these childhood experiences? Um, there's a lot of different things that we can do. It really f- first begins by creating awareness. The good thing is that ACEs are preventable. We can, if we can reduce the amount of ACEs that occur, we'll potentially be able to reduce a whole host of other health and social problems. What we can do is to help promote social norms that protect against violence and adversity, ensure a strong start for our own children, teach specific skills to help people build resilience and overcome ACEs, connect people to caring professionals, pro-social supports and activities, and intervene when there are problems to lessen immediate and long-term effects. So I mean, being a psychologist, you, know, you, you may think your, your child has went through something traumatic like this, but they can overcome this, correct? Is that, is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, people can definitely overcome it, but it's important to remember that people will always carry their trauma with them. It becomes ingrained in their biology and in their DNA. With different resiliency factors, they can overcome it. Now, when you're you're one of the trainers uh, that's going to be, I think, eventually teaching other staff how to interact or deal with or talk with prisoners or even staff who have had ACEs, uh, I, I took the test and I scored a two. So I'm, I'm a low on the on the scale. But so is it for staff who might also be low? Would it be harder for them to relate or communicate to a prisoner who has a really high score, or would a staff member who maybe has a high score would it be easier for them? Is there any you know, correlation or any, any connection there? Um, I think just the knowledge of how trauma affects us as people and how that also affects behaviors is important. Anybody who has maybe even a score of zero could easily relate to someone who has a score of 10 if they have that kind of trauma-informed understanding of how a score of 10 might act a little differently than perhaps a score of zero. But scores never predict individual outcomes. Um, It's more of holistically. The higher your score, the higher your risk for certain things, certain adult adversity, but it doesn't predict at an individual level. It doesn't take into effect sort of outside influencers. It doesn't talk about community involvement or maybe really supportive family or friends on the outside. It's really focused on what happened in your home under the age of 18, but it's still a very good indicator. It's not wholly predictive, but it gives you a really good sense, right? Yes, exactly. When when you talked about the stats and that 70% had at least one uh, ACE score in Michigan, 20% have had four or more, but I would guess that our population is going to be much higher than than that, right? I would definitely assume that. I think all the people that I work with on my caseload have had at least one. Um, I could say that with almost certainty. And in, in what we're doing, right, at least right now, we're not talking about surveying the entire prison population and, and getting them each an A score and then working with that. So it's not really about that so much, but it, it sounds like it's more about just making our staff aware that our population is probably much more prone to having a higher score. And here are things that you can do. Here's ways to communicate or treat individuals who have a score. Is that more what we're doing? Yeah, I think that that's definitely what we're leaning towards. What would be some maybe common things that that, um, that would be good for staff to know or that to 
maybe a different way of approaching a situation once they've had this training. If somebody, if a prisoner is acting up or doing something they're not supposed to be doing, or or I guess any scenario that you, you can think of that maybe is maybe what the natural thing to do might be and, and not what they might do if they've had this training. Mm-hmm. So typically people kind of approach a situation as to thinking like, what is wrong with this person? Why are they behaving in this way? But trauma-informed care changes that narrative to what is wrong with you to what what has happened to you. It really takes the whole person into context instead of just whatever behavior or situation is present. Again, we're not asking for prisoners to all take this, this score, and we're not expecting all staff to know, okay, prisoner Smith over there, he's a four, so I need to talk to him differently. It's not in any way like that. We're not expecting staff and officers to, to know what everybody's score is, but it's, it does help to know that if somebody's acting a certain way, it might not just be because they're trying to be a jerk to you. It's because they experienced great trauma when they were a child, and it maybe led them to where they are today, and maybe just being more recognizing of that fact. Is that what this is all about? Yeah, definitely. So like someone who was raised in a safe and supportive environment, they're going to adapt in ways that are different to someone who's been raised in a very chaotic and stressful environment. Somebody who was raised in chaos, they're going to naturally have a higher baseline of stress hormones in their bodies. So as adults, any kind of small stressor seems very overwhelming to them. They just can't process it as well as maybe someone who was raised differently, was raised with various coping skills to help them cope with that stress. When you talk about stress, and even for our staff, for prisoners certainly Prison can be a stressful environment, and for staff as well. I was watching this video with uh, Nadine uh, Burke Harris, who's really talks a lot about ACEs, and she talks about how you're out in the woods and you see a bear, and you're, all your adrenaline and everything goes because your your fight or flight kicks in, and you have that biological reaction because do you need to fight or do you need to run? But what happens if that happens every single day? And, and for a child, it can be very traumatic uh, having that. But for our staff, too, walking into a stressful environment every day. So is there things that we can do that we, in recognition of this? I mean, I know we have the wellness unit, but are there, are there things that they can do to help themselves you know, have less stress and, and recognize this is happening to them? The first step would be removing the stigma of asking for help. Our work lives are very stressful and can become toxic to us. If we carry that stress and we don't cope with it appropriately, you know, that can affect us in other ways. So really reaching out for help, like you said, with the wellness unit. Some people find exercise very helpful or meditation or yoga or whatever it is that really helps you relieve stress. That would be important to incorporate in your life. So Adrian, I know we talked earlier um, in the podcast about we're rolling this out as part of the strategic plan. You're one of three people who are doing this for the department. Can you name the other two? Yes. So myself, Amanda Elliott from Central Office, and Christy Van Harn, who's a social worker at MTU, were trained to present ACEs for the department. And when you say present ACEs, what do you mean by that? Just just make people aware of, of what this is? Yes, to basically roll out a training so that everyone can be become ACEs informed. Okay, and if, and if people do want to learn more about ACEs um, before that point, is there is there any literature or anywhere they can go to learn more about this? Yes, there. you can go to a website. It's called MIACE.org. It's specific to Michigan. You can learn more about ACEs and what it means, and also there's various resources on that website. Well, you know, Chris, I mean, this is a, a very important topic, especially as it relates to the people that we deal with every day. It, does it matter? Does it manifest different in women than, than men, or is it is it all kind of the same basic um, trauma? Women are certainly more prone to experiencing trauma. They're more at risk, as are different 
demographic backgrounds, um, cultural backgrounds are more at risk. But the manifestations of the trauma are similar. Okay. Because I know we're going to, we're going to, the next installment of this is we're going to talk about being gender responsive and, and, you know, and that's hugely important because we understand that women are different than men when, when it relates to everything that we're doing. So Chris, this is, this stuff opens your eyes up to a new way of, of, of thinking about corrections. It's not just, you know, somebody does something bad, you hold them accountable, treat everybody the same. I mean, we really have to look at the whole person, like Adrian said, um, and understand what that person went through, identify that, not even identify, but just be aware that uh, there's things that happened in that person's past in their childhood that need that we need to take into account. So um, this this is hugely important, I think, for our department. I, I learned I learned quite a bit. I don't know if you I know you always do your research before, so you probably already knew all this. But um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk to Carrie next about uh, you know moving towards being gender more gender responsive. Adrian, thank you for coming on today. I mean, you are the expert in this. Um, I'm excited for you to roll out this training statewide. And thank you for what you do every single day. It, it, it clearly is making a difference. So thank you so much. Thank you. We're really excited to bring this to our staff. Well, Chris, I found that uh, very informative. I thought Adrian did a great job explaining, you know, what ACEs are and, and kind of how trauma impacts many of the people that uh, we deal with on a daily basis. So very informative. I, I hope staff could, could take could take something away from from this podcast and the, and the conversation that we had with Adrian. Yeah, and I think hopefully they'll, they'll learn more about that and they'll see more about that going forward as this kind of rolls out and they start seeing uh, that the trainers and everybody kind of explaining what how, how it's going to be moved out around the department. As we become a trauma-informed department, right. Chris. Yes. That's right. So other, other big news in the DOC, uh, I saw that the governor put out her budget. How are we impacted, Mr. Gouts? I don't know if status quo is the right word, but there's not a lot about us in, in the budget, so there's really not a whole lot <laughs> to talk about. about. There's not there's not a lot of new it's exciting stuff, Chris. Thanks for yeah. uh, keeping well, everybody engaged. We're, we're, we're definitely <laughs> under the radar this year. There's just really not a lot of requests. But I guess the one thing that we can say about this budget is that everything that we're asking for and any, any new requests that we're asking for in this budget are all focused on staff. So we're asking for, again, new additional money for new officers. We're going to go away from, or at least the, the plan right now in this budget would be that instead of asking for one-time funding for new officers, for the last several years we've done that. And so it was brought up that why would we keep asking for one-time money? Why don't we just make it our normal sure. budget request? So we, are, uh, we, we need officers. So it's, we, it's, we do. Sense. And so so this, if, if, if approved in full, what the governor is requesting for us, we would be able to hire 700 new officers. And at the end of 2021, I believe, we would be down to roughly 400 and some 450-ish vacancies uh, if if we continue to hire and the retirements and, and promotions right. are at the same kind of level where we're at. And then there's also a uh, half a million dollars in there for uh, wellness for corrections employees. So those are really the two things that we're, that we're asking for. Uh, and the rest is just, just that to continue, well. continue operations. Uh, and then to uh, obviously pay for, you know, there was a lot of, there was some raises for, for staff or all employees and that's increasing our economics and other things are going up, but really there's no, there's no big new ticket items. There's no big new programs or anything like that. The director will begin testifying uh, in front of the committees probably the next, within the next well, month. That's You'll important to say this is, this, this is just the beginning of the process right now. It, has to, beginning, now it yep. has to go to the legislature and yep. Um, and so we'll, we'll be updating people throughout as right. it goes on, but uh, hopefully don't expect too much news uh, to come out of our budget this year for, for the first, in my five years here, this is uh, the first time I've not even gotten a single call from a reporter asking about our budget. There, there's a lot of other yeah, departments you know, sometimes that that's, that's okay, you know. Sometimes, and sometimes that's, that's okay. okay. That's yeah. all right. But our budget is focused on staff and, and hiring new officers and helping with the wellness of those that we already have. And so that's where our focus is right now in the, for this year's budget. Yeah, good stuff. Um, you know, I saw earlier in the week, it was there was a bustle in central office, Chris. I don't know if you knew 
if you, did you see the bustle? Bustle? Yeah, it was, it was it was a buzz around central office. It was I, uh, I missed the it bus. was it was the kickoff of the employee engagement oh, epic committee. Well, that's what that was. It's yeah. a very important epic committee for people who who enjoy employee rec day. You know, the, the employee uh, engagement committee is the entity that sets that all up and schedules it and gets it all um, coordinated and, and done. So along with many many other things across the department. But so that's kicked off officially. So make sure you uh, keep an eye out for information coming out from the employee engagement epic committee, specifically employee rec day in the lower peninsula and like last year in the Upper Peninsula. So that's always a fun committee. I know people really, really enjoy that one and um, try to get that one every year. So it kicked off and keep an eye out for that one. A couple of podcasts ago, Chris, we talked about the Employee Appreciation Banquet. I believe it's on May 5th, maybe this year. May 5th, that's right. Good memory. Yeah, I, I try. But a, a major part of that is the CO of the year, Corrections Officer of the Year, right? And, and I know nominations are in. When, when does all this happen, Chris? Talk about it, because I don't know. Yeah, just in a couple of days. So if you're listening to this uh, today on Tuesday, uh, that means that on Thursday we'll be announcing uh, who the Officer of the Year is. Uh, the selection committee will be there at, at MCO uh, working on that uh, and then announcing that. And we'll be putting out a, a release and letting everybody know who the Officer of the Year is. And then hopefully we'll be able to get that individual on the podcast between now and, uh, and the employee banquet. And then we'll look forward to hearing uh, his or her speech uh, at the banquet as well. Yeah, that's uh, exciting stuff. I know, you know, shortly thereafter, we'll, in FOA, I say will, but FOA will uh, be naming the Candace Dunn Probation Parole Agent of the Year to coincide with the CEO of the year. So that's that's exciting news. Um, this time of year is really fun. It's I think it's it's good to recognize the the really awesome and great staff that we have, and uh, I'm excited to uh, find out who wins all this stuff. I'm sure you are. Yeah, are you offer any awards this year, Chris? Yeah, we now that you mentioned it. Yeah, we. Oh, really? Some awards? Yeah. Our our pace awards. You know, we we've. Well, you know, oh, us. Oh, the, uh, I, I met yeah. you. I met you specifically. Well, for... I, I've got a lot of awards. I don't like to show off too much <laughs> in front of you because I know you don't have any awards. Nobody so. likes a bragger, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, keep keep an eye out for all that stuff. There's lots of stuff happening, especially in the spring in corrections when when the weather gets warm. A lot Lots of events, lots of fun things to be part of. So keep an eye out. What else you got, Chris? Anything else going going on in the department? We're gonna wrap this podcast up. I think we're gonna wrap it up, and then we'll we're gonna. This is kind of like a mini series. Okay. Uh, so next week we're gonna be talking with uh, Deputy uh, Osterhout over at uh, WHV. WHV, and we're gonna be talking about uh, gender responsive uh, issues. Kind of coincides with this trauma yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yep. And all things that are about our. Uh, strategic plan and checking in on kind of where we're at with with each of those uh, kind of dual track issues. Uh, so yeah, we we'll just finished up this one and now we're heading over to the Valley and we'll talk about uh, gender responsive. Sounds good. So make sure you stay tuned to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.